Your conscience is pleading as you start believing that what you're doing is not for you. There's no mistaking the life that you're taking. So kill the inconvenient truth. So let's go. Okay, well, we're listening there to another one of our updated songs from I'm Only a Man, and that one particularly, we call it Nickel Slick for short. It has a longer name. Uh, I got some good updating. I'm very happy with it. So you can go check that out on our show, Are You Listening?, which we do Tuesday night on Twitch, where we show the song we've been working on that week and what we're doing. And so that, of course, is from I'm Only a Man update. We re-recorded the whole album, totally redeemed itself. And we have vinyl on pre-sale right now. We have one song left on that adventure, and it's one of the best Emory songs, Crib to Coffin. Maybe we'll give you a peek of it next week. But uh, next Tuesday night, we'll be airing our, you know, our new version of it, and we'll be complete with our I'm Only a Man journey, which I'm quite happy to do. So if you're just joining this podcast and you haven't listened in a while or anything like that, uh, we're going to have Justin Dean on in a little bit. He is uh, somebody that was at Mars Hill and I haven't spoken to him since, you know, before the split of Mars Hill and thought it would be a really cool time to reconnect with him with everything that's happened and how much things has changed since then. We haven't covered that topic in a little while. Um, so that's what's on the docket for today. And let me tell you, though, before we get going, hiring is ch- hiring is challenging, especially with everything else you have to consider today. But there's only one place where hiring is simple, fast, smart, and that place is ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash badchristian. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-A-D-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Today's show is also sponsored by the makers of my favorite electric toothbrush, Quip. Good habits matter. M- good habits are what matter most for your dental care. So go to getquip.com slash badchristian and get your first refill pack for free. Toby, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. You're stumbling over your words there. It makes me wonder, is it because of all the, that where you live is on fire, right? Like, is there, how close is the fire? (laughs) (laughs) You're right, man. You blew it by not smoking. If you'd have been, if you would have been a smoker, all the smokers are breathing fine, right? Like all I keep hearing is how bad the air quality is. Somebody said it was like styrofoam breathing in styrofoam (laughs) in the Portland area. That's where the fires are, right? The the fires aren't actually near you, like, you know, within a few miles. Miles, are they? No, it's just more of an atmospheric thing. I think we get from the whole West Coast. Depends on the jet streams and stuff like that. But it's clear. It has just cleared. But the thing I thought was the wildest about the fire smoke situation was it was so bad that it was easy to not go outside. Like you just didn't want to be out there. It wasn't like they told you the aircraft right. was bad and it's best to avoid it. Like in some way, it was just like no, thank you. And I realized after the pandemic lockdown and all the lifestyle modification that has happened and just taking, you know, being in that mindset, I realized just after three or four days that when it did clear back up, I I just I realized I'd already determined in my head just I was just living in this way of I'll probably never go outside again. I just had already accepted it like it was I was like, oh, I could go outside. Weird. 
It wasn't like I just like already went into another double lockdown mode and just was ready. And it wasn't really that big of a deal. And now the sky's clear again, so no problem. Well, for Unless me, you live near the fires, then big problem. Then horrific problem, right? Speaking of the fires, that's what I was going to say. This podcast is all about changing. We've changed, you know, we we grew up conservative Christian and we've deconstructed and reconstructed and done all that stuff. I didn't used to believe in global warming or climate change. I do now. Uh, I used to think all kinds of things were bad and not true. And now I think they are. I'm opening up my mind. So I did a little research. I was laying in my underwear on the couch. That's what research is these days, right? When anybody says it, I don't think anybody, when anybody that does research these days is not in a lab or in the library, they are on their couch typing in something in Google. But I wanted to look up the forest fires and was just thinking, I, I just typed into Google, are, are, fire, are forest fires worse now? And this is what I found. This is on Wikipedia. So the largest wildfires, these are the 20 largest wildfires in California since 1932. So out uh, out of all 20, how many do you think happened since, let's say, the year 2000? Since 1932 to now, how many in the last 20 years? Yeah. How many how many wildfires do you think? I mean, since nineteen thirty two, so that's a long that's a long time, almost a hundred we'll years. Make it like a hundred years, so you'd almost say yeah. you just put a hundred year span basically, no. and say t- the twenty percent would be the guess. So if it was normal, you'd say twenty percent of the fires had happened, which would be twenty of you know whatever. But I'm going to guess based on you asking that, I'm going to say double that. So forty percent in the last twenty percent of years. So you're thinking like eight or nine in the last twenty years. Um, 17 of the largest wildfires ever happened Ooh. since two, 2020, uh, since yeah. tw- 2000. That is crazy. And they take up so much acreage. I can't believe it. So the biggest one happened in August, 2020 in Glen, uh, Glen Lake, uh, Mendocino and Tahama Trinity. Uh, and it took up 846,898 acres. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had to divide the fire into two zones. The very next one happened July 2018, and it was in the same area, Mendocino. Uh, it was a, uh, almost half as much acreage burned up, 459. So that's, I mean, that is insane. You go all the way back, and all of them are just in the year 2000s, 2006, 2007, another 2007, 2018, 2012. I mean, it goes all the way up, 17 of the largest California wildfires. And so... It, there is something going on. It's not just, oh, well, 2020, man, sure is great. No. I mean, there's something that's happening for the last 20 years here, I right? I think it's related to pedophilia in Hollywood. It's obvious, right? <laughs> oh, you're a conspiracy theorist No, now. I'm just saying. It's like, it's just, it's God, wait, just oh, obvious. Wait, no, you're a Christian now because you think God is smoking <laughs> California for all the well, sin I mean, I just think that's obvious. You know, the pedophiles <laughs> and the forest fires. What, the oh, last one. When do you think the, the Hollywood pedophiles have been at their peak? Certainly in the last 20 years. That is true. I didn't think about that. Golly, man! Maybe this. You know what? Maybe we should Climb get out Ale- my ass. You got to get. We got to get Alex Jones on here, right? <laughs> I don't know. We don't, we we don't know what we're talking about. But Matt, you know who does know who they're talking about? Because I mean, with all these fires, you're going to need to hire people, right? To put them out, you need people. To, you need to hire people. You need to do some different <laughs> stuff. How? What? What can you do to hire people? If you need more firefighters, what you got to do is talk to ZipRecruiter. And by talk to, I just mean go to ZipRecruiter. Mm-hmm. Hiring is challenging. It, it obviously is for any business owner, especially with everything else they have to worry about these days and social distancing and supplies and masks and everything you need. 
Uh, hiring is just one thing you could certainly use some help with. Monica Starks could relate. She needed to hire for a pivotal role at her construction company, GS Group. But she was having a hard time finding the right person, especially with so many candidates out there. So she switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience for your job and actively invites them to apply, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash badchristian. Because that's how Monica found Lamont Jenkins. She said that ZipRecruiter sent Lamont's profile to her around five minutes after she posted her job because he was a great match for the role. Through ZipRecruiter, Monica's company has hired everyone from accountants to project managers to field scientists, but Monica's not the only employer who loves ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. So see for yourself how ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier. Try it now for free. That's right, free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BadChristian. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-A-D-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash BadChristian. All right. Now, one of the another thing I want to ask you is, even with all the ash and everything, I feel like you've had a change uh, in something that you've been going against for a while. You (laughs) were not for virtual learning or... Don't call me out. Yeah, I got to. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I, usually it's me on the other end, but you very strong worded yep. uh, messages I to know. the listeners here that you know in the virtual learning you didn't you didn't think it was going to be good. You weren't you didn't think how how could it be healthy for your children, all that stuff. And but they're doing it right. Yeah, and, I got a big reversal. Like I, this is a Matt. This is a Matt changes point of view in a short period of time, and I all mean right. like f- four weeks. This is a four. So yes, I used to think one thing about gay marriage and, and didn't you know that that took a while right. for me for me to get to get with it and change. This one only took a few weeks. You're getting so faster. I'm proud of myself for the turnaround time. But no, yeah. really, it's uh, it. I was really negative. And have been very negative on the idea of kids being on the screen, the classroom, and what we saw in April was crazy, and I was really, you know, worried about it. Yeah. Um, and now I have a different point of view. So it's not it's a it's a it's a different kind of point of view. It's not that it it's that I am so excited now that I have a glimpse of the total future is the way I would frame it. I didn't. I can't believe how much the public school i'm just talking about seattle public schools i don't i can't speak for everywhere sure. but in general i cannot believe how much change they were able to do in such a short period of time yeah. get the training get with it figure out how to do it <clears throat> come up with good ideas and adapt to adapt like right. there's part of me that is insanely frustrated that all the stuff that had been stuck for, i don't know a hundred years now you just changed in one summer like they never even get the teacher contracts done by the end of year anyway on a right. normal year right how did they do all of this this year with the pressure put on them so i'm still you know i'm still <laughs> saying something negative about school that it's always been so terrible because it doesn't adapt or change and right. here they just did it they've done it they have really done something good that is working for my particular kid and our particular situation in a way that I did not expect but <clears throat> you know I would go I was choked up <laughs> it, it, it's kind of my style to, to be obnoxious but I'll be I would go so far as obnoxious say I really hope they never go back wow I really, I, really I am oh, well you know 
it's not that it's a complete education, but it's so much less involved. It's just she goes to class sometimes. She's attached to it socially already. She's right. managing her own schedule. She's wearing rollerblades, laying on her bed in class, paying attention. That's not something you can do at school. You know, most yeah. of what they do at school is like the, you know, managing the, the inmates like that. So much of the resources and things are determined by that, that if you can kind of get rid of that part and just connect with them some and, you know, and they can, it, it's like, it's okay if she misses class, there's no policing of the school. Like we're not really going all the time, but we can choose what we're going to do. Um, I'm not going to do any of their math or anything like that. We, we can do tons of stuff on our own. So I'm still going to be in charge of Georgia's development, but I'm surprised at what amount school is going to actually get to play in that. Yeah. And the teacher is totally fine if we're not there. And so yeah. I have a good relationship with her teacher. There's stuff we I mean, we don't do any of the stuff that we don't want to do. It's the best it's a dream come true for me because it's like school, but it's optional, is what it feels like. So I'll just use the little bit that we want. And it and it's she's socially connected and all that stuff. So now we just gotta fill in the gaps and do the other stuff. So from my point of view, my kid has got a giant uh developmental upgrade this year. Does that sound crazy to say? But she's better off this way. And if we could build from here, the sky's the limit. I mean, this is what the new world's going to look like. I mean, I hope it does not go back. We can start from here, which is basic, and then innovate. Like, I can see it as a possibility from here. So yeah. that's just exciting. Does that sound full of shit or what? Well, I'm. here's my thought process. I can't wait for my kids to go back to school. <laughs> I, I, I will say this. I... 100% agree. I think the teachers have done a great job. That's what I, I mean. Whenever we've talked about teachers, is we're talking about the system, and 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 now the system has been turned up on upside on its head, and you're seeing how good the teachers actually are. They're they're doing all kinds well, of stuff. And some, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, yes. Well, I, I'm very lucky. I, I, we have three kids, all three of them with three different teachers at the exact same time in, in our house, and mm. and uh, I don't know what it's going to cost our internet bill, but. Uh, it, I've been really impressed with it. It, you know, there's some hiccups here and there, but overall, it's been good. I just, I do think I want my kids to go back. Uh, they're talking about it now here that maybe they will be able to go back at some point. I'm wondering if it's only a couple of days. They might go like Tuesday and Wednesday, which I think just that human interaction will be great. I hope. I hope. I, I would be down maybe for that. Now the big issue is, I, luckily, I can be at home. Like if I had to work full time outside of the house, I don't know what we do because Jess works a full time job, so I don't know that part. Actual childcare and watching, I don't know. I know there's a, lots of uh, kids that are in danger being at home, food, abuse, all of that oh, stuff. So, there's, there's, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot more to it. But the one thing I do like is the brevity of it. Like, it's not all day for the kids, and I feel like we. I feel like they're just it's more much free. More and, yeah, yeah. It just feels like way. yes, it really is more efficient. It's the right thing. So overall, I've I've enjoyed it. Honestly, it's it's not bad having my kids here. We usually wake up, go to the park hang out for a little bit, then they got their school, and then, you know, we do some more in the afternoons and stuff like that. And I, I'm I'm literally going over schoolwork with them at more than I ever have in my life. Yeah, I, right. I'm, but, you know, but see, that's the problem here. So the, this whatever state this is that I'm saying is I'm gleeful about at the moment, it is temporary in, in some sense. So yeah. it's very important to understand that what – is good is that she's getting some stuff from the school with all without all of the stuff. So it's very efficient. And then she has me and her mom engaged with her mentally 
a hundred more times in a day than normal. And that is child development is moments of engaged one-on-one time. And so, and intermitted with her learning in a classroom way. So that is unbelievable upgrade, uh, for her. But if that's not true and for most kids and most kids aren't even showing up to school. So that's obviously a failure. So the disparity to my daughter, who's got an education up development upgrade and most people who it's completely failing, it's not a laughing matter. The disparity between the two are going to increase that massively and it's a terrible situation and it will be terrible also school won't stay where they can't do anything to you for not going (laughs) they'll figure out a way to make it terrible eventually probably so but in in any case this has shown a new way and you can see it um if you think about like you know how google and amazon they're basically thinking not go back if if you i don't know if anybody's noticing that yeah but there's going to be a lot of companies that are not going to even go back and it's going to be some of the dominant and leader type of company. So I, I really don't know if people are feeling what's happening right now, but we are right. really looking at a collapse of, uh, many, many years and, uh, and decades into a few years here. And so that's going to be wild, but there'll be many things that are clearly seen to have advantages in this remote way that won't go back or go back only for some, but it is going to advantage the privileged and the strong and the dominant more and more and more. That that disparity is going to be sped up through yeah, this process. That that I'm, is I'm the afraid. real danger, and I don't know what'll happen. I mean, you're right. A lot of people are going to follow that that lead, and if you're in the right situation, you'll be able to benefit from. It. Like right now, Google is uh, rolling out its like basically school college program where you get yeah. actual credits. That's what I'm saying. And it, there and, may and, be just be an off ramp from this to over to oh, that. That's not available. But I mean, those companies are going to destroy colleges because they'll say, oh, yeah, come here, come here for six months and you got a job. Why? Why would you go spend forty thousand dollars in debt or something or more and try to figure this out? And you're right. It was funny. We went out to get to a piece of furniture out at this old antique place out in the middle of nowhere, Illinois, last week. And there were just kids out there. And Jess and I were talking to them and they were not going to school at all. Didn't know the name of the school. We're not going not at all. And this kid right. was our our kid's age. And I was like, what's going to happen to that kid? He, yeah, he's having the time of his that's life. Terrible. He doesn't know, he's having the time of his life. He's hanging out with grandma, chilling, no bit. But I was like, you have to you have to learn or you you really are in trouble. And so that disparity, you're right. I don't I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't uh, it's there's going to be a reckoning at some point with education and with everything I, I guess but it's well, it's, it's going to be it's going to increase the class divide that's just as simple as it is yeah unless somebody comes along technologically and fixes it and does something that's really awesome you know what i mean but and, I just and mean makes across it like the board like with the big company like to have a job where you can't work from i mean right you know it's just it's uh the the people that are i mean it, it's i'm serious in the big term i will move on from the topic but i'm just saying okay. in the big term if you're looking at multi decades there are a certain set of people who have moved into the digital future and some people who are, are more left behind in the physical world. Okay. Does that, yeah. is that broad enough of a picture? You know, yeah. like that's just, you know, there's going to, that's the separation of humanity or maybe our species eventually will be along that divide. I'm afraid. And yep. it's beginning and speeding up. So. All right. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad <laughs> the, the big takeaway here is you were wrong. Oh yeah, you were wrong. I bad mean, bad wrong. Bad wrong. I mean, it's it. I feel bad for you. I can't wait for all the emails to roll in, just mm-hmm. with the the laughing emojis and all this stuff. All right, we got a great guest today, Justin Dean. 
who used to run publicity at Mars Hill Church, where I worked at. I was a worship leader there. Matt was a huge volunteer. Matt, you probably eventually thought you were going to end up maybe working there. And then it crumbled, and it doesn't exist anymore. And so, uh, yeah, this is this should be a good interview. Yeah, I, I hope so. Justin is uh he was a controversial figure because he was a right hand man to Mark Driscoll and in charge of PR and publicity and messaging Protecting, and all that kind of yeah. thing. So he was quite involved in the 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 stuff that now you see in mainstream media and and stuff. There was it, we were in this situation where it was like, wow, there's spin and there's angles and there's yeah. the media and it's not the media's not getting it right, but our own people aren't saying the right thing. You know, it was this real uh post truth feeling you were having being yep. wrapped up in the church at the time it, before everybody had the post post truth kind of fake news moment. It, it was just kind of that confusingness was the thing we were living in. So I thought it'd be interesting to catch back up with him. Um after some period of time. So, yeah, let's see if we can get Justin on here. All right, but first, when's the last time you got rewarded for brushing your teeth with Quip's new smart electric toothbrush? Good habits can earn you great perks like free products, gift cards, and so much more. You've probably heard us talk about Quip a million times, but this is something brand new that rewards you and your mouth. The Quip Smart Brush for adults and kids connects uh, to the Quip app with Bluetooth. Track when and how well you brush, which is really cool for your kids. I can see if they're actually doing it or not, all that stuff. Get tips and coaching to improve your habits. Earn points for daily brushing and bonus points. Completing uh, for challenges like streaks uh, and redeem for rewards like free products, gift cards, discounts from Quip and partners. Uh, Already have a Quip? Upgrade it uh, with a smart motor. And keep the features you know and love. The sensitive sonic vibrations, which I love. I'm in use my quip forever. Good Lord. I don't remember not using it at this point. Uh, Two-minute timer with 30-second pulses for guided clean. There's just so many options on this thing. It's, it's amazing. Uh, so right now, you can join over 5 million mouths who use quip and save hundreds compared to other Bluetooth brushes when you get quip smart brush for just $45. I mean, golly, it's so affordable. Start getting rewards for brushing your teeth today and go to getquip.com slash badchristian right now to get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash badchristian. Then that's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash badchristian. Quip, better oral health made simple and rewarding. Justin, I uh, was trying to remember the other day when we first met, and I'm, my memory, the way I've got it, is it was at Mars Hill, and I don't know mm-hmm. what year it was. See if you can help me clarify that. But I came to a seminar or training or something where you were leading. It was about, and it was a breakout group or a whatever about PR yeah. for churches and stuff like that. And I knew you from Mars Hill and had seen you, but I came to that class, and it was you know twenty or so people in there. And you were leading it and giving all of the secrets behind how to craft narrative and control this and that. And I remember just having this feeling of like, wow, this is PR like Hollywood or whatever, but for churches. And I was super intrigued at the time, especially I was like, wow, I felt like I discovered a dark art or something like, oh, there's all this stuff behind the scenes of what they're really doing and how they do it. And I, I didn't have a really negative feeling about it um, at the time. But on the other hand, I thought of it uh, as like, oh, that's, you know, I was uh, very aware of the gap between, you know, what 
came out of the church and what I knew of the church and what the church's social media was and how those things were all not really the same one thing kind of became clear yeah. to me in that moment. Um, and that was how I met you. But, I, you know, and since then, I've gone on a lot of journey of rejecting a lot of those things, I think. And you might be kind yeah, of sure. familiar with that. But that, I was very interested in hanging on your every word at that seminar at that time. I was just fascinated with the communication elements of it. But when was that? And can you help me remember exactly what so the situation was? That I think that was either 2012, 2013. And it was uh, it was a day we called uh, Mars Hill Connect Day or something like that, I think. And we basically invited other churches and, and really anybody to come in. And, it, it you know, each department head uh, gave a little seminar on uh, just what we do. And we tried to, you know, reveal, you know, internally how we run the church. Um, and it was supposed to be a way for us to help uh, kind of other churches and other ministries kind of see inside of, of what we do. And so like I, like I gave, you know, a seminar on PR and social media, um, like John Dunn and Dustin Kendrew did one on, uh, our music label and stuff like that. That's and, right. Uh, yeah. It was Dustin Kendrew led an outbreak in the next room over. And then I came to yours, John Dunn and just yeah. Dustin you Kendrew. Left for mine? No, I, I went to those two consecutively. Both. Yeah. Okay. I went to both. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's I right. Like, That's right. I remember mine, that. Um, so, so you, your title then, and what that was, is that something you basically continue to do? If you could help us sum, uh, sum it up, you do PR communications. Like, how do you explain that, that, that job yeah, so, and how did you get into I mean, it? My, my role at Mars Hill, well, I was hired as a PR manager and that evolved into uh, director of communications. So eventually I was over all social media, all of our editorial content, like, all the, all the stuff that went out on marshall.com and the resurgence website, and then, uh, was over PR, um, and marketing, uh, kind of everything in that realm, social media. I mean, you know, of course, under all of those, we had teams of people, um, who would help out in the different areas. We had writers, we had a social media manager, um, uh, Corinne, who you met back then as well. And then, uh, you know, a whole team of video guys and people like that. So I kind of uh, was a manager over that area. We had a pastor over the entire department as well. And then we all, um, you know, reported up through through Sutton uh, Turner to the executive elders. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, during that time of Mars Hill's biggest rise and, and heyday, when it was reaching the most people, doing the most thing and under the most scrutiny, you mm-hmm. were, you know, way you put it in charge over all of the communications, meaning that the messaging and talking points and, and the cohesion of all that was up to you? Uh, well, it, it wasn't always up to me, but I, I spoke into it and then I crafted it and I was I was in charge of executing it. So uh, especially during that last year, um, I actually acted as a spokesperson for the church. So any media inquiry we had anytime, like we, you know, we were on the front page of the New York times twice, uh, Seattle times we were on, you know, local TV and stuff. And so that was me talking to those people. That was me doing those interviews on behalf of the church. Um, and a lot would go into crafting that messaging. Um, you know, eventually it came down to, I would write it and then I would be the one to put it out. But it was, uh, it was typically, especially at the end, kind of a collaborative effort of me and, and, uh, you know, uh, Anthony, our, our pastor over media and communications and then Sutton and Mark would speak into it as needed and, and things like that. 
but uh and was a lot the, of it was just kind of executing what what we're told <laughs> but what was so was the whole idea i, I know as marshall kept going it got worse and worse for you know uh, pr but uh was the was your job to make the church look good like you you caught things that could maybe be uh taken the wrong way or make y'all look bad or reveal some truth even about what was happening at the church like what was like when your job was to protect the church and make it look super good right no, I want to describe it that way. And, uh, you know, look, I'm, you know, I'll totally be honest and open with you guys. I think we're more on the same page with stuff than you probably realize, but I would not have described my job as, uh, uh, you know, having to make the church look good. It was more about, um, yeah, I mean, protecting what we're doing in a lot of ways, but not in a, in a negative way. There certainly wasn't any effort to, um, you know, manipulate what we're trying to put out or anything. It was more so, uh, we, I, you know, I had a directive at a, a lot of times not to say certain things, but it was never, Hey, let's, let's change this or say this instead or anything like that. Like we were never deliberately lying or trying to change the narrative or anything, but there certainly was plenty of time where they were saying, don't say this or don't say anything at all, or don't do this interview, or we can't say this. And that really confused things because we would have bloggers. We have other people who would do interviews and share their side. And we weren't able to share uh, what we wanted. And that was frustrating for me because I wanted to get out and say uh, everything that we needed to say, you know, we certainly weren't hiding anything. Um, The only thing that would have been a little weird was the whole, marketing campaign uh, behind Mark's book, Real Marriage. I don't think that they would have wanted uh, to really explain that in a, in a way publicly uh, at the time. But uh, really when it came to like global funds and kind of the plagiarism accusations, stuff like that, I, I wanted to get out there and just say, well, let's explain it. We got nothing to hide. Mm-hmm. Uh, but their kind of MO was, you know what, let's just stay on the mission, keep quiet and uh, ignore the haters type of thing. And I don't think that that was very helpful, obviously, in well, hindsight. When you say they, who is it? Because, I mean, you're pretty high up. So are you saying, I mean, there wasn't that many people probably higher up than you. So when you say they, and for the and the, for the folks listening at home, we're talking about Mars Hill Church that I worked at. I was a worship leader at the West Seattle campus. Matt was a volunteer, but very integral part of the mm-hmm. – um, uh, what campus were you at, Matt? Um, I was at Ballard. Ballard, time. right? I, I right. was, you know, I, I led worship and did right. Counseling yeah, and yeah. You were gave, doing, you know, yeah, you were doing a lot of stuff. stuff. And so uh, that church basically imploded. Mark Driscoll uh, left town, is in Arizona now, and that church no longer exists. A lot of people were hurt from it. But when you say they were telling you not to say stuff, who is they? What were they telling you not to say? Yeah, you, you got an example. Yeah, totally. So. Um, when it came to PR stuff, particularly that last year, as I was acting as a spokesperson, I reported directly to to Mark and Sutton and Dave, the the three, you know, executive elders, Mark Bain, Mark Driscoll at the very top. And so they were very, uh, I mean, I, I wasn't allowed to say anything publicly without getting their approval first. And so, you know, usually it would be, we'd, we'd craft a statement, we'd talk it over with them and uh, make some changes if needed. And then, you know, the statement was approved, but I, I wasn't even allowed to reply to an email or anything, uh, you know, media inquiry wise without getting their stamp of approval on it. And most of that was being directed 
you know, directly by Mark. I mean, Sutton just did a, an interview with uh, Warren Throckmorton, him and Dave both yeah. did, who, who kind of revealed uh, a little more of their insight into that at the time. I mean, Sutton, um, you know, basically kind of said the same thing. We, we were kind of just doing what we were told uh, from Mark. And, you know, he regrets having to implement a lot of those decisions and, and should have spoke up more type of thing. And I kind of feel the same way. Like there's, there's so many situations where I feel like I should have spoken up more, but, um, or put my foot down type of thing, but was just too afraid of, of losing the job and, uh, was really excited to be a part of what we were doing and didn't want to give that up. So instead it was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to trust these guys to, to just do this, knowing that I never really did anything that I felt like we were, you know, doing anything illegal or anything like that. It was more so of yeah. just, Hey, this is just not the way I would, I would want to message this or phrase this. I would want to reveal more. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I, I, I think a lot of people don't realize when you're in that situation, I got the job. John Dunn called me and said, uh, Hey, there, there's some worship leader positions open and I'm looking for worship leaders. And we'd like it if we had somebody that had been in, in, in an established band and done some things. <laughs> And I was like, oh, wow. And I just I literally like a few weeks had moved to Missouri from South Carolina. My wife's pregnant, uh, six months pregnant with our second child. And uh, we mo- I get the job and I move out to West Seattle. <laughs> and I felt weird the entire time and I could not place it. And I couldn't I couldn't totally explain it to anybody. I couldn't tell tell anybody like there's some kind of weird vibe or something. Even right now, I'm not doing a good job. It was something that felt like somewhat oppressive, and I was scared of it, and I felt like I had to fall in line because it was so powerful. And it wasn't just Mark Driscoll. It was like the whole movement. I mean, we were creating yeah. great music. I mean, Great Web Resurgence was like one of the biggest Christian websites in the in the oh, yeah. world, right? The I mean, like, I mean, I mean, Mars Hill was like one of the fastest growing churches. They were going to other states. I was like, I'm a part of something huge. It has to be right. And I remember, yeah. I, 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 I mean, it really, did, it really did feel that way. It was so yeah. big and so powerful. And Mark Driscoll would show up at church with like a caravan of, you know, like SUVs right. and uh, like, Suburbans yeah. and black Suburbans. And I was like, oh my God, this is real. Everything's real. He's on, you know, he's on uh 2020 or whatever that show was, Nightline or something right. like that. Uh, they, yeah, they, Nightline. Yeah, they filmed that at West Seattle when I was there. I remember yeah. we, they made us clean the church. Unbelievable. I mean, oh, we were cleaning the church and making it look nice. And I was like, whoa. And I was watching and the guy from Nightline was there. And I was like, this is crazy. But there's yeah. this overwhelming feeling. And so I remember when I decided to leave, Jess and I talked and we were like, something just doesn't feel right. And I don't, I don't know what it is. I can't even tell you, but we have to leave. And when I decided to leave, there was so much pressure not to and to like stay and to be a part of this thing. And and I had to basically almost lie and say, well, I really want to focus more on our band and our music. And I wanted to start doing that more. And, and I had to, I really rolled with that story. I could not say, I feel very strange about what's happening. And this was 20, let's see, I guess about 2012 when I left right. and, and things started, okay. we're, we're starting to crumble. Was right there. before things really started. Again. Right. It was right before, but I, but I just felt it. I was like, something's off and I can't explain it. And maybe it's just me. Yeah. Maybe, maybe if I get no. out of here, it's me. Did you feel that way? No, I, I get it. Like, you know, looking back now, that's totally, that's totally the feeling. I mean, there was definitely a pressure of like, Hey, we are doing something amazing. No other church is, is, is like us. No other church is doing what we're doing. I mean, even with this, particularly with the music, it was like right. hey, every other church sucks when it comes to music. 
and uh, Christian radio sucks, and Marcel's the only one, you know, who's able to do it right. And I mean, honestly, that's probably correct in a lot of ways because we, we were really, really amazing at the music. But it, like th- that feeling was towards everything. It was like we we are just on a you know freight train going 200 miles an hour uh, towards something great. And, uh, you know, why would you not want to be on it? And it was, there definitely was a pressure of like, okay, if you're going to leave, especially for any type of negative reason, it was like, man, well, we don't want that to look, you know, right. Bad for any reason. Um, and so the, like that, that was a lot of pressure when when people did want to leave, even for legitimate reasons. Um, that was, uh, unfortunately there, there was a lot of pressure to just kind of, keep that stuff kind of quiet and not have it blow up because it, it does, it does hurt things. When someone leaves, there's usually people who they were close to who will leave as well or, or get uneasy. Um, and that, that can hurt the church overall. Well, well, working, working with Driscoll, you saw it firsthand. What was it like in the office with him? What was it like? I mean, if you had an idea, did he shut it down? Was he, was his, cause I'm, I remember meeting him that when I met him, I, I, I uh, I mean, I, I'd seen him around a bunch because I, before I ever worked at Mars Hill, we went to the church a few times, and uh, and I remember meeting him, and he just stared me in the eye and shook my hand, and I felt like I was meeting because he was really he was pretty short, but he, he was, was a short but, guy. He's a short guy, but it was still intimidating. I felt like I was meeting like a Mel Gibson kind of like a a masculine, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Male, you know, male uh, bravado right. guy, and he just stared me in the eye and he shook my hand and said, "I'm yeah. so glad you're here" and all stuff. But what was it like? Was it intimidating? Like in in the sense of it was his way of the highway. And, the, and when you were in a meeting situation, I mean, we've heard so many stories about him just shutting people down or belittling them or being rude or mean or hateful. That's a lot of the issue yeah. that happened with the staff. What was it like in the office setting with him? You know, I, like I've been conflicted on this for, for years because I've never personally had a interaction like that with him to where it was directed at me. Um, there was one time where I made, a big mistake. I don't even remember what it was. I like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I did something they didn't want me to do or whatever. And it was like, man, it, you know, Mark had to confront me on it. They like scheduled time for me to meet him in the green room between services so that he could talk to me about it. And I, I remember walking in there thinking like, man, he is just going to bite my head off. Um, well, I remember what it was there. There was the, uh, the gay pride parade was coming through downtown Seattle and he was preaching at the, uh, the downtown Seattle location. And as my job as the PR guy, it was my job to kind of keep tabs on stuff like that. And so we had scheduled him and his caravan coming through, you know, to, to speak at downtown Seattle. And uh, you know, there were people picketing the church outside that were part of the parade and uh, it just threw him off and we should have been prepared for it and that type of thing. And so, uh, you know, and I just, I didn't even realize the parade was going on that day and should have type of thing. And so they, you know, he wanted to talk to me about it. I thought he was going to chew my head off about it. And he was really honestly, just really, he wanted to hear, Hey, how can we miss this? And um, you know, it wasn't even that big a deal. He didn't yell at me at all. And so even things like that, I was just like, man, what are people talking about? But I have been, you know, there were creative meetings and things like that. We would meet with him weekly uh, and prevent, uh, present different creative for like the next sermon series or what, you know, the next book or whatever we were working on. And, uh, and yeah, there were a lot of times where he would, uh, you know, yell at people, um, 
because they weren't doing what they were told type of thing, or, or yeah. he gave feedback and they decided to ignore it and uh, do something else instead. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like uh, people describe it. It was really just like a, like an angry boss, like an angry manager type of yelling at him. It wasn't, I wouldn't describe it as abusive by any means. It was, he just was a, he, he was a brash kind of to your face type of manager and uh you know not very pastoral by any means certainly i mean that that can be you know an issue that can be unpacked there and that's certainly what came up when they investigated him was like hey you know you're a horrible manager you're a great preacher but you really shouldn't be managing people it's kind of how that all you know came about um and so i don't know he was always very kind to me he was always very uh you know gracious to my family things like that i don't know if it was just because the role i was in you know i took a lot of uh, heat and, uh, personally just from having to do all the statements and stuff on his behalf. Um, so maybe he was a little more gracious to me. Like mm-hmm. I, I would, I would come home after a late night of having to put out statements and my wife has, uh, you know, dinner delivered and flowers delivered from the church because, you know, Mark, <laughs> Mark made sure that, uh, his assistant was, uh, taking care of her type of thing. And it yeah. was like, you know, that was stuff was kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's a it's an understatement to say that you did, were a, probably very appreciated by Mark or carried a lot of water for him because it's not like a regular social media manager at just some church down the road that finally has a social media manager on staff or pleasant pleasantly you know, have this person right. and they have to message about choir practice or whatever you know right. you you had to like deal with national media in a scandal <laughs> at the highest level with right. in a in an unbelievably t- uh you know harsh culture there so on a, it's, on a it's, huge makes like, sense I mean, you're why. talking about the new york times contacting you and stuff not like Right, you know, I, I don't know, like whoever, but it was it got as big as it can get, really. Yeah, so it's very. I mean, it's obviously. Uh, so, so Mark was like, um, so aware and so ahead. I mean, my, in my view, Mark is very ahead of his time on narrative and messaging and intentionality with social media. It, he mm-hmm. was light years, uh, not light years. 10 years ahead of everybody else um, specifically. And I, I, I the feeling I I've always had at, at about Mars Hill is what I saw there is what I now see. I knew it right away somehow, yeah. and it keeps fulfilling deeper and deeper. I don't know. There's nothing I can do other than explain to people what I am seeing unfold on the national level is what I saw unfold there. It's the same feeling except for, Every like the world now feels like Marcel yeah. did then, and it's scary. But like Toby said, it's a scary feeling to feel unstable in that way because you know something is wrong. Um, but Mark was so intentional about his communication; he would like tweet something. I I, I just observe his communication for years mm-hmm. and years. I mean, I just I just have a brain that kind of is systematic that way, and I started to put together things he would say or intentionalities he put in his delivery or something that was in a tweet that would then be referenced much later in a sermon right. series that you or know he was te- yeah yeah and it was just like he was just way ahead and i kept connecting the dots and i was just thinking man what a genius i'm so glad to serve with this to serve this man that's right. <laughs> the right. i thought about it right oh i was so impressed by it it's it true just- like like here's an example like we he he wanted at one point uh he was tweeting out on his own and then when i came aboard uh we put in policies in places that he he can't tweet on his own anymore like i he would send me something to tweet and then we would tweet it out um corinne and i 
and we'd schedule that stuff. And so he wanted to put out this thing about Obama and it said, um, it was like Obama's inauguration day. And the tweet was, uh, today, uh, you know, Obama's going to put his hand on a Bible he doesn't believe in and he's going to, you know, pl- pledge to a God he doesn't, uh, doesn't follow or something like that, whatever. I'm sure we can look it up, but that like blew up. People were like, this is crazy. How can you say Obama's not a Christian? He says he's a Christian and who are you to judge him? And it was just like our most controversial tweet at the time. And, uh, and Mark had that planned out months in advance. He had the plan after that plan for like six months. That tweet became uh, one of the first lines in his book, a call to resurgence. And the, like from that tweet all the way to the book, I mean, he had every step of the, of the way planned out on how that will really rile people up, mm-hmm. get them upset. And then in the, and then the book and the sermon series and everything that followed after that would explain it all and unpack it all. Like mm-hmm. to him, it was all just a giant marketing plan. And in a way, yeah, it was definitely brilliant. Um, but it certainly just would rile people up and, and uh, you know, make the haters come out. But the, but the whole thing, you know, it's better. It's like it's like he's a preacher or something, but it's just not the best way to describe his activity. Is The best way to describe his activity is just politician, you know, essentially. So I see a lot of similarities with him and Trump, actually. Like Very, I, could, I, I just couldn't agree more about that. Yeah, like yeah Trump, Trump totally. I think, has the same kind of mind where I'll, I'll see stuff now that, that Trump tweets out, and then you look two months later – and he's able to say, hey, look, I was right. You all called me an idiot two months ago when I said that. But look, now it's right. And in Trump's mind, I think he had that planned out at least as much as he can. Mm-hmm. And especially having kind of insider knowledge on certain things, I'm sure. I just I see stuff like that play out the same the same way. I think they're very similar in that regard. Yeah, it's thinking on a different level, but you're presenting slightly different than than what you know, it, you know, to me, it, it just, it pretty much kicked me off on the journey that I'm on now where I just know my fundamental principles, authenticity, and I am absurd about trying to make myself be as stupid as I can in as many environments as I can, because it's at least the real me or something. So in a way, <laughs> a lot of my MO is reaction to, I almost thought that was a good way to be for a period when I was there. That was a period sure. of my life where I was studying that and thinking, is that good to do? This seems this is good to do, to think that systematic way and use it in that way and do all that stuff. And I also see uh, Trump being very intentional in a lot of ways mm-hmm. where other people won't give him – I don't think he's a genius or evil genius like that, but, I mean, he is not credited enough for being strategic, but he's playing games in ways right. that you, you would not agree to play or think is a good idea to play, but he just, yeah. you know, he, well, by any means necessary. Yeah. <laughs> but, and for a pastor, yeah, it's, it's yeah. even crazy. Like, I wouldn't want Trump to be my pastor by any means. That's right. Uh, but so, and, but when the know. thing all escalates, <laughs> it gets to where you're, you're doing basic stuff. That's like sermon strategies and growth strategies. But as the stakes go up and up and up, it just really becomes boiled down. Like, liabilities and talking points and game theory at the, the higher levels when the pressure increases. And it's just like, well, these are narratives are good for us. These narratives are bad for us. Don't mention that. And like when Toby said before, when people would leave, they weren't talked about. They would disappear. And that ain't, that yeah. started to make that funny yeah. feeling. That's another parallel to Trump and just cabinet members disappear. Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> right. But yeah. it was like that. It was like this whole team and all the best people I knew, smartest, most talented people that I liked and looked up to would disappear one at a time from the Mars Hill world. Well, that and was they really would, you know. frustrating on my part, too, because I was in charge of the, the, the website content and all our blogs and stuff like that, our books even. 
And so, yeah, if someone who had written a lot of blog posts or written a book uh, left, like we would, you know, we would take all that stuff down uh, because we didn't want to seem the, the justification, I guess, was we didn't want to seem like we were promoting them or aligned with them in any way if, if they no longer want to be aligned with us. And in a way, it kind of made sense. But uh, sometimes it was like, well, wait a minute, like this guy's posts were really, really good. I mean, I forget who it was at first who, who left where they had like out of the top 10 posts, like they had written six of them. And I was just like, wait a minute, if we if we get rid of this guy's content, like we will lose, you know, 50,000 page views a month or right. whatever. Like we have that all, you know, quantified. And I remember there being a big debate over it. Um, but they decided to just know that's our policy. Just take it that, down. That's a liability leave. thing. Now that you're just in the pure politics at that point, it's like liability. We Pretty need much, the NDA, yeah. like you know, all that no stuff. Pastoral angle to it really. Um, yeah, it's it good just, content hey, that helps people know Jesus. And we thought it was the greatest blog post ever. And now it's a pure liability and get an NDA. Yeah. Yeah. Per- yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that is, and, and, you know, but just the, the thing that it grew so fast and, and it's like Toby said, I, remember, I mean, we were in Ballard and Deepak Chopra comes the, you yeah. know, to the building yeah. to, to debate Mark on TV, right? you know, right. where they're doing You're sound like, and stuff. Yeah. And it's right. just like, uh, to, and to play at those levels, I mean, you know, yeah. he, Mark was capable of that. He had the skill and the capability and all that kind of stuff. And he was, you know, enough ahead of, other pe- the people that would you know just didn't know how to we just didn't know i mean, I mean that's not a defense for any any of complicit right. things that we did or didn't do but you know it's just kind of it kind of went on like that um but then when you're getting to the point where the it's the scandal and stuff like that you you're uh were you were you meeting d- daily or talking to him like uh, you know through that whole time that must have just been very stressful what was the communication pattern during the sure that i part? mean the the three it was like three or four months uh leading up to until he quit and then and then kind of disappeared um we were meeting pretty much daily um i was giving uh like weekly reports that turned into almost daily they were either daily or every, every other day kind of reports of uh, like the, the report would include everything that we hear that's going on, everything that people are saying kind of internally and externally, just giving them as much information about everything that we possibly can. And then they would, we would meet and uh, they, they'd return with, you know, any kind of action plan that we should do uh, or things that we should say or stuff that we should put out. Um, and so, I mean, it was pretty intense those last few months leading up to that. Um, and really just, it was just a way for, I mean, you know, Mark really did call the shots on, on everything. I mean, nothing, nothing came out without, you know, Mark's input or, or stamp of approval on it. Like not even Sutton could do anything without, without Mark. And so he, you know, he wanted to be involved in everything. It seems like Sutton and you both, um, were very, very effective, uh, you know, b- buffers for him. Like Sutton would, you yeah. Know, like you said, Mark was really dictating messaging down to don't say this, don't say this, suppress that. You lead with whatever to whatever degree that was, and right. Sutton would take a lot of heat for a lot of things. And he, you know, that was his role, and he he did that a lot. So he buffered for Mark a lot, and I think you did, you both did in 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 a lot of ways. Yeah. So Mark wasn't to blame, you know, essentially. Yeah, I mean, there was uh, like a strategic effort to distance Mark from pretty much anything that we possibly can. That way he can focus on, 
you know, being out of the church and preaching and putting everything out without, you know, many distractions. And so like, even like some of the church discipline cases that became big news, um, we, we wanted to make it very clear, like, okay, this particular case, like Mark had nothing to do with it. He didn't, he wasn't involved. He, you know, he didn't know anything about it. Um, whereas, you know, he would get reports on that type of stuff. He knew of it, but he really wasn't involved personally in those things, but we wanted to make sure that that was clear. Uh, but yet, you know, I'm out here, I've, I've still got to give statements on that kind of stuff. So then it makes me very, you know, involved with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think you probably were made to look bad in a lot of ways and you probably have been framed by many people as a bad guy. And I, you know, I, there's no doubt about it that you must have received your share of, of, you know, bad emails and people blaming you oh, and, gosh, and things yeah. like that. Still, still to this day, I mean, there's, there's a, a number of people who just, you know, wrote me off or whatever. I mean, we left Seattle just cause we couldn't handle it. We, we, you know, my family and I would go to restaurants and people would recognize uh, us or hear us talking or whatever and, and uh, would say things. We ordered a pizza once and uh, we got a call from the driver saying that he doesn't want to deliver the pizza because he knows who I am and uh, stuff like that. It's just like, okay, we just kind of like at one point did not feel very safe at all um, and very hated. Wow. I mean, we lost a lot of friends for sure too, because they see things that like Throckmorton was posting and stuff that's in the news. And then they see me making statements and they weren't really, you know, uh, connecting uh, the full story there. And I wasn't really able to share more than I was, you know, being told to share. And so it just made people uneasy and, and unsafe. And, um, you know, so we kind of ended with not very many friendships as we left. But I mean, Do you identify but, but, with like when you see, you know, White House press secretary or Kellyanne Conway? Do you and the way they're the way that goes for them? Do you identify with that role in that way? Like it's is it similar way yeah. it's viewed? And you know, there there was even uh, uh, you know like did you ever watch like The West Wing or anything like that? I mean, like yeah. I identify with like the like that chief of staff type of role um, more than I would like a press secretary type of role. Um, because it was like, uh, it was speaking into stuff and providing that information and then being that gatekeeper to pretty much everything that they wanted me to be a gatekeeper for. And, um, but yeah, I, 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 I always kind of identify with those type of roles. That's, that's certainly, uh, the role I, I filled there at Marcelo. But people were hurt by you because you stuck with it and you stayed with it. Even after Mark Dreskel left, didn't you kind of stick with him? I mean, that's yeah. the thing that, that, that's the thing that like, I think why people were hurt by it and people like me that not, I don't think I'm hurt by Mars Hill. I, I, this is what I always say about Mars Hill. I think I grew more as a person, as a man, as a Christian, maybe than I've ever been in any other church. I was challenged unbelievably so. And, at the same time, I felt like I was just, it just totally dropped off and all these people were just left. I mean, like what, why, when people are upset with you, what, what made you stick with him? I mean, even after everything kind of collapsed, you stayed with him, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I even, you know, redesigned his website after left and worked for him for, uh, you know, a good year after, after Marshall closed. And then him and I, stayed in contact until, uh, you know, just recently really. And, and I've been all this time, the last six years, I would, uh, I would still defend him every once in a while if I saw something on Twitter or, um, you know, would retweet him and stuff like that. And I, I had no problem with that. I, I mean, 
I, I don't understand it when people say like, oh man, we're, you know, we're hurt by you or we were hurt by Mark even like hurt, hurt for what? Like what hurt you? Like, I don't, you can't even understand. They don't even articulate usually what, what hurt them. They're just hurt by Mars Hill. And I never really understood that. Like, what did I, what did I do to hurt anybody? Um, and so, I mean, that's why, that's why I stuck by him because I never, there was never anything that we did that was wrong or hurtful to people. I mean, when I look back and think, man, I wish that they had been more open and transparent with stuff and allowed me uh, to share more information and explain things. Um, and I wish that we would have apologized for stupid stuff like the real marriage book and stuff like that. Um, but I look back at that stuff and it's like, man, I feel like the real marriage thing is the only real big um, like bad thing that we did or thing that we shouldn't have done. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's not something that hurt people though. Well, I, well I, 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 I would say yeah. this. I think there was an authoritarian rule there that felt like it, it like when, when I worked at my church, I felt like everybody I met was a little Mark Driscoll. And so it mm-hmm. felt, it, it did feel cultish. But how's that hurtful? I, I understand. Well, that. well I mean, like, the church is gone. The I mean, the, the, I mean, sure. you, well, you gave your tithes and your time and everything, and the church disappeared. And the pastor and his PR guy left town. So that I mean that that is hurtful. Well, hey, hold I mean, on, hold on. Yeah. I did not leave town. Right. For one, I I worked to the very last day, a good three months after Mark left. Sure, but I'm, but but I'm just saying and now then I was you, fired. You, right, the church closed, and then I left right. town because the church was closed. So don't say I I left town. Well, well, no, but Mark but, but, Mark definitely yeah. quit and left town. Yeah. Right, so you, you but know. but I'm saying, and then but but yeah, well, after he quit and left town, you still worked with him for several months. So the thing that I that is is definitely hurt is right. you when you go to a church and it disappears because it, you find out that it was all about the lead pastor's personality when every a, a million sermons was about if I I mean I, didn't uh, he well, he preached stop you there though but, but hold like, on he he preached a sermon right. he preached a sermon about. <laughs> Uh, if I ever, if, uh, you know, if you ever find me doing something wrong or whatever, get rid of me because Mars Hill is the bigger thing. And then it, you find right. out later that was a lie and it's just about him. And so it, it the church ended up being, which none of us knew, and maybe you didn't either. I, I understand he has a big personality, but it ended up being a pastor ruined one of the biggest, most fastest growing churches in the world. And it's gone. And that definitely does hurt. I mean, you, you give your time and your effort. I mean, I I I moved to Seattle to get paid twenty seven thousand dollars a year to live in West Seattle because I believed in this church and it, and I started feeling super weird and hey, awkward man, I, about I'm it. In and the it's same gone. Boat. Like I I left a very high paying career. I was vice president of marketing for a company when I left to join Mars Hill. We sold a car just to make it work. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the same boat as you and everyone else was. I I get that. I understand that. And yes, the church was very much centered around Mark and his personality, and he was in control, and it was hard to do a lot of things without Mark, that type of thing. But when he quit, that was a surprise to all of us. Like, that was a shock. Like, we were like, what the hell? And he was just gone. We were stuck with a church that was very much, you know, imploding and heavily in debt. And we had, what, 15 lead pastors who were all saying, we want Mark gone and we want to we want to run our churches individually. And so we really didn't have a choice. Like, I remember sitting at a table with with uh, Anthony, who was my direct boss for marketing stuff. 
uh, Sutton, Dave, and like a couple uh, assistants or whatever were, were in there. And it was the day after Mark had quit. And the conversation was, what the hell do we do? And we always had an option of if Mark died or whatever, what's our succession plan? And the options are hire someone to be the lead guy, either from within or, or outside, or each campus becomes an autonomous church. And that's what the lead pastors wanted. So it was like, what? Yeah, Mars Hill could have gone on. My vote was, yeah, Mars Hill should go on. Like, we don't need Mark for Mars Hill to go on. There is there is definitely something here to salvage. Yeah. So that was that was clearly my vote at the time. I didn't want to lose my job. I didn't want to lose right. everything I had devoted my life to. Uh, but I was outvoted and didn't really even have a vote. It was more just, hey, here's my voice. Um, but that was the decision of, hey, let's just shut it down. You know, December 31st is the date they picked and uh, shut it down and be done. And uh, and that was extremely disappointing and emotional for me. Like that just seemed like the dumbest decision ever. Like, why not? Why not keep it together? We could, we could have uh, you see the village church now, like Chandler's church. They're they're one church, but each each church is autonomous, has their own lead pastor, preaches yeah. and stuff. We could have gone to a model like that. That would have been great. Um, so that that was extremely disappointing to me. But you know, I wasn't. Um, I don't know. I wasn't hurt by all that. I don't understand when people feel like, oh, they've got to be mad at me uh, for sticking around, uh, you know, through that. Now, certainly, okay, be mad at me for continuing to work for Mark after he left the church or whatever. But at the time, it was, uh, it, it just, it seemed to make sense. And on my part, I will admit to this, like, I was still caught up in what we had was so freaking great that I, I still wanted to be a part of that. And I knew like whatever Mark's doing next is probably going to be pretty great. And I wanted to be a part of that. Um, sure. And, you know, there was talks about moving to Phoenix, you know, for his new thing. And uh, we decided as a family, we didn't want to, we didn't want to jump into that. And at that time I told Mark, Hey, if, if I were to come and do something here, I want this role to change. You got to listen to me. You got to let me actually run PR and do what I want. And that's where we started to clash. And that's where I stopped working for him on the website and stuff, because I knew that he wouldn't listen to me and do what he, he, he wanted to kind of operate under the radar and just stick with the mission and, you know, do what we were doing at Mars Hill, like just ignore the haters and keep doing what you're doing and putting out content. And I just didn't agree with that. Um, mm -hmm. but it didn't mean that I was going to completely write them off. I mean, we still stayed in touch for birthdays and things like that. It kind of, you know, our relationship is, is definitely departed over the years and now it's apparently just kind of gone, but I don't know. That's, I mean, <laughs> how, that's, how that's did it go? How, I well, when you say it's gone, what happened? That, that's more recent. Like uh, you, you did have a relationship with him and now it's over. I mean, it, it got to the point where we would check in text, you know, we'd text each other on birthdays and, and holidays and stuff um, and uh, send each other Christmas cards. That, that was the basically our relationship over the last few years. So it's definitely gone different ways. But, sure. uh, you know, I something Turner and Dave Bruscus did a, an interview with with Throckmorton uh, a couple months ago. And yeah. I, I literally just shared it on Twitter and uh 
And uh, people were joking around, like, you better be careful. Uh, you know, Mark's going to block you like he has all of us. Uh, because the the interview I thought was great. I didn't think it was uh, uh, disparaging the Mark really at all. But I, I definitely could tell this is this is not something Mark wants out there. It's it's sure. you know it's a it's a negative for him. Apparently he uh, he really felt that way because he blocked me on Twitter too. And uh, so I texted him. I said, Hey, what the heck? Like you you blocked me on Twitter. Uh, kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt, knowing that uh, likely it was his, uh, you know, PR firm or somebody working for him who who just did it and maybe didn't realize who I was. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, you know, he's basically ghosted me since then, never replied. So I'm assuming he just doesn't want anything to do with me anymore. Damn. Wow. Which um, I get how maybe that's how some people have have felt of like he's just kind of, you know, abandoned them. I mean, that's definitely not a great pastoral moment for him now yeah. justin i would ask Not you pastoral. this question do you, yeah, you're do, right does that just does that hurt a little bit oh no it totally hurts man like particularly for me if anybody has the right to say uh you know he, he owes me one it's it's me um and i don't hold grudges i really honestly when it comes down to it i don't care um i'll you know i'll move on uh, but it does suck. Like mm -hmm. the, the crap I've taken for that guy, um, to not, you know, end ways in a more applicable way or have a discussion about it at all or, or whatever. Um, you know, just kind of, it, it kind of shows, I mean, you know, people always say like, you're either, you're either for Mark or, or you're against him. There's no middle ground. Like you're either mm -hmm. totally on board with him. And for him, uh, if you do anything at all that's that's against him, then he just kind of writes you off. And I guess that's uh, that's pretty true because that's what happened. So, yeah, it hurts and it, it sucks. But I, so, but th isn't that a little bit dissonant with a minute ago when you said you don't understand how anybody got hurt? I mean, th you're the last, you're just the final one, and he hurt you directly. Yeah, no, I, so I get that. I I understand that. For me now, I do feel there is a hurt that I have with Mark right now. Like there's still something that Mark and I would need to need to work out. I've done, you know, as much as I can on my part to mend that. And so I've moved on because he hasn't responded. But the question that was asked to me was before, like when I, when we left and Marcel closed, you know, how hurtful it was for me to keep working for him and stuff like that. And it's like, man, at that time, like, what do you, there was nothing, there was no hurt. Uh, the church hadn't hurt anybody at that time. Now, if there were individual situations where Mark yelled at you and it didn't, you know, work out, then I understand that. But like mm -hmm. the overall big picture of like, oh, there's so many people hurt by Marshall because it closed down. It's like, well, what the heck? That was nothing. You know, that. Mm -hmm. why would you be mad at me for that? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I understand that. And I think from your point of view, it's a confusing thing. And I, I, I want to talk a little bit about how I, I think. Let's see if I can say this right. But first of all, I'm really like, I don't think of you as a bad guy, Justin, at all. I really was fascinated when we first met. Uh, I respect your work and the stuff you've done. Uh, I felt bad for you during the times when you were having to deal with the really bad stuff. I was confused why you would still be with Mark after all of this. Um, yeah. And, and I'm really sorry for the pain that that feels like to be ghosted. And, and I'm sorry in a, in a, in the, you know, I'm sorry about that because it, you know, the same thing happened to me um, with somebody that used to be a 
host of the show. The same the same thing happened. That he stopped talking okay. to me at the, for similar reasons that he no longer felt I was for all the way for him or something. Um, and that's it is really Ouch. painful. Um, yeah. And the the but it's also understandable on a human level. But the to the that's what happens to all the individuals all the way along the path. You know, like everybody that parted ways with Mark over the years, that move has happened thousands and thousands and thousands of times to him. And it ends yeah. that way almost every time for people. And it's it's right. it's really easier to believe not that. It's just so much easier to believe to believe a different way when you have heavily invested in somebody and you can't you know you've the, the fact that it's so important, it's the mission, and it's God, and you did it together, those things are so deep. So, so many, that's why I think these lessons are just really, really important. I'm not trying to disparage Mark or you or anybody I'm talking about here. It's not really about that. It's just such a useful tool to analyze these power structures. And so, one thing that came up with you was talking about before, it just, again, really reminds me of America or Trump or wherever we're at in, in this moment. N- not Trump, but I just mean like the American institution mirrors mm-hmm. the Mars Hill institution is, is really the analogy I, I'm trying to make. Right. But uh, in the sense that you can look around and say, there's nobody who's hurt, who's what, who's this, you know, but we know that the systematic outcomes are detrimental and harmful but there's nobody direct. You can't ever trace it. So, you know, everybody has different opinion on yeah. systematic racism or whatever. But we definitely know certain policies and certain things and certain the way things are have, you know, bad outcomes on certain people because of systemic reasons. It's not the leader's fault. How is it the leader's fault? He just got there. He's just doing this. He, well, you have to do that. Well, it's a hard spot to be in leadership. But that's the whole biblical narrative. And that was the first thing I thought when Mars Hill collapsed. It's like, that's why you're not supposed to have a king. That's why God tells you not to have a king. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. The time because there's there's not like a person who could be in charge of a thing and not get into narrative battles and liabilities and then have systemic outcomes that are on other people that people are blameless for you know and yeah. and then at the very top of that of those things it it takes somebody that has you know whatever you know I'm not trying to armchair diagnose people but high high amounts of narcissism tend to create those types of outcomes and it's pre-select yeah. for p- people who can be at the highest level there. And so those patterns just, they just, and you don't to, fully to realize what's happening when you're in it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like I, you, you think right. you're doing the God's work and all of a sudden right. you realize you're doing this man's work and everybody's well, and following and doing it. There right? was really good God's work happening for sure. That's, that's what's hard. I mean, and, and he, like, hear me out. Like, you know, I didn't prepare for this interview at, at all. I probably should have. And so I'm, I'm still processing a lot of this crap too. And so I, I'm still stuck in this place of like, yeah, the, the person who Mark was is, is becoming more revealing to me. I've, I've finally experienced hurt uh, from him that people say that they experience. Um, and I've heard things, you know, al- along the way that, that seem to kind of make a, a lot more sense now. And I, I get that. But I'm also stuck between like, man, when, when it all went down in 2014, uh, it's still, I, I'm still hurt on my side because I look back and go, man, we really didn't do anything wrong. Like we weren't doing anything wrong. Mark was definitely this force to be reckoned with and, and uh, 
was calling the shots and, and uh, you know, things like that. But the things we were being accused of, like the plagiarism stuff was just BS. Um, the, the misusing global funds was just complete BS. Um, I mean, really like looking back at all the stupid things, um, you know, Mark going to strange fire and trying to hand out his books at John MacArthur's church. That was stupid. Uh, that was stupid of them to do. That was a stupid like boy stunt that they should not have done. I wish I had, I had spoke up and said, you guys are dumb. Don't do this. Instead. I was cheering it on because I was like, man, you guys are funny. And I uh, just trusted them. Like that was stupid. And the whole, uh, the whole marketing plan behind real marriage wasn't, uh, wasn't illegal or anything like that, but it was certainly just stupid. It just was not a, a good idea. Um, other than those two things, it was like, man, we were doing really good, really good work. We weren't doing anything wrong. Like they were accusing us of. And so, yeah, it, it hurts when people are like, man, I can't believe you stayed to the last day. I can't believe you still supported him and stuff. And it's like, well, there wasn't anything at the time to say that this is something I should run away from. Um, and so I'm kind of stuck in between that. I'm like, yeah, back then it, it was, it was fine. It was something for me to, to, to back up. Now I realize, okay, you know, Mark, uh, definitely probably has hurt people along the way and, and probably hasn't repaired, uh, those relationships cause he hasn't with me. And so I get that too. Um, and I don't know, that's just kind of where I'm living right now. And that's why it might mm-hmm. be sounding a little contradictory. I, no, I, I want to say totally this. Fine I, I will say, do, yeah. yeah, no, I, I, that's what I'm saying. I, I do think in some ways you were deceived by personality, but we are talking about a pastor. And I do think that people were really hurt. You're hurt now. I do think people really hurt by the, in the sense of you go to church to try and connect with God and connect with people. And then all of a sudden it disappears and your pastor leaves town and then nobody really does anything like what like when when you're on the mission of like hey we're gonna tell people about jesus and we're gonna do the right thing because god has called us to do the right thing and all of a sudden you realize your pastor is not doing the right thing and he's unapologetic and he just leaves and gets paid a lot and takes some money and then uh, a few years later let me let me just give you a list uh mark driscoll's book that came out uh in 2018 uh what was what's, let's see, let me see what it's called it, a spirit filled Jesus. So after all oh, yeah, of this, yeah. all, after all this shit went down, Mark, Mark Driscoll <laughs> writes a book, and uh, Jimmy. Uh, let, let me just tell you the people that endorsed it: Jimmy Evans, founder and CEO of Marriage Today and lead apostolic senior pastor of Gateway Church. Let me tell you, uh, founding pastor of Seacoast Church, Greg Surratt, where I worked at a mega church, endorsed Mark yeah. Driscoll. Greg Groeschel endorsed Mark Driscoll. Jack Graham. Uh, Greg Laurie from Harvest Christian Fellowship, Larry Osborne, Dr. James McDonald, Eric Metaxas endorsed Mark Driscoll when he started a church and ended up causing it to collapse and ruin so that I still don't go to church. I ended up, I, I worked at another mega church. No, I shouldn't go to church. <laughs> there might be a Mark Driscoll there. That's the that, oh, that's, that's where dumb. it hurts. That's dumb. That's definitely I not. Call you out on that. Uh, no, that's definitely that. not dumb. Why would you say that? <laughs> there could be a you're, Mark Driscoll you're not there. Go to any church. There, I, I, I'll go somewhere where God is, not where I'm a personality or a, some pastor that's trying to get his fame or his book sold, and other pastors want to endorse it. Where there is I mean, Mark all Driscoll. those pastors I just read off, 
they're just a circle of people trying to get popular and famous and and get endorsements. So don't go to for each other's books. No, Craig Groeschel's pretty legit for one. But why? Why would you? How? How in the world would I know Craig Groeschel's legit? I thought Mark. Well, Ladris- we've all proven, Mark including you, was Justin, legit. that we don't we don't have the judgment for such <laughs> yeah. things. We are not smart what, enough. What? We are too gullible. We join <laughs> cults. Just, we start them I mean, with people. Justin, I mean, you can't matter. be saying just because we don't have the judgment. Just for this, because you're you know? a pastor, you're legit. That almost means the opposite. Just because you're a pastor no means you might not be. You're a pastor, you're legit. You go but, and you make you have your own. But, but I mean, you can't. Stuff, but you don't but, just pull away from the church. But I mean, you can't we just tell got me. no discernment. I know, is you, what I'm saying. Yeah. I, then is one way. Either they deceive you, <laughs> yeah. or we ain't got right. no discernment. Because you don't go to church. And I, but why would I go to church where the bad people are? That's where the bad. You got to be real bad, careful I, if you go to church. I, is the point? I mean, I'll, you're I, just saying you got to be extremely that's fine. careful. Be careful. I, I'm careful. I, I mean, I'm still 100. <laughs> I'm more a Christian now, but 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 the but the church stuff is bad. The the church stuff isn't good. It because of Mark uh, because of Mark Driscoll and what he created. It made me realize. Wait a minute. This is something man made. That's a business, right? I mean that, that that's what this that was. He was a CEO of a of a corporation. Not really invested in changing people's lives. He was invested in making a brand. Uh, see, I, I totally disagree with that. I think that uh, there very there very much was um, the drive to change lives. There there wasn't by any means. And believe me, I was I was over the books. I was over the content. I was over all that stuff. And there was never never any inclination of we need to make more money or we need to do this. It was always. How can we reach more people? With Why did he need to be on the top? Why did he need to be on the New York Times bestseller list? Then come so on, man. Reach more people. Because, <laughs> oh, man. okay. Well, you know what? No, I mean, no, so I should sin to reach more people. You can't see, believe that. You don't believe that. You don't sin more to reach plan, people. So I believe it. The the whole point of getting on the New York Times list was so that we could have a platform to get on The View, to get on Dr. Drew, to get on Fox and Friends, so that we could reach yeah. more people to be exposed to the resurgence, to the books, and have people come to our church. And we did. I mean, we we gained 13,000 people during the few months after and that. And where we are they today? <laughs> they're still a, going to those churches. No, they're not. no, they're, they're not. not <laughs> they're not going to churches anymore because of this. pretty good from what I can tell. Ah, uh, no way. There's, no a, way. there's a good amount of turnover of all the, not of those Not one of those things, churches so. has closed. Not one uh, of the Marshall churches Oh, well, well, maybe other churches has closed. Maybe other pastors led them and changed them, but I mean, for a fact, I, I mean, I work there. I know tons of people have left. Lots of the pe- pastors that tons were at those churches have left. Have left. And so, you're, and so you're they're, a podcast they're telling com- them not to go to church. They're man. completely different churches. The reason I'm telling them not to go to church is because it, it screwed up everybody. There was a massive church in Seattle that destroyed people so from going to church. The three hundred thousand churches all over the world, all over the United States, are bad. Why? Well, okay, bad. tell me why. Why? Why aren't they bad? I'm sitting in front just of because? one right now. I just, drop, I just dropped my kids off at church. We go to Emmaus Church in Buford, Georgia. We're a church of maybe 250, 300 people, and it's a fine church. There's no Mark Driscoll in, you know, in charge of it. But why would I believe that? I've, I've, I've experienced the other. You don't have to believe that. This is where I go to church, and I'm not afraid that the pastor's going to hurt me or if he leaves that it's gonna hurt me somehow it's i go to church because i'm in community with the other believers that go here and because he preaches the the bible clearly 
I mean, I thought the, I said the exact same thing about Mark Driscoll. That doesn't mean that this is bad, though. Just because it doesn't mean it's Mark good, Driscoll though. That's left. that. That's the thing that he, I think. Uh, that's the thing I and think Mark that you might did and still does preach the Bible pretty clearly. That's the that's the one great quality he's still got. Yeah, but that's the thing that gives. I mean, it, he's, a great, yeah, he's a great. He's a great spokesman. He's a, he's a. I mean, he can, he can preach. What a great skill. He's awesome. I agree. For not maybe oh, the best, maybe the best preacher I've ever heard. A good but spokesman, a good. I mean, you know, come on! You, you tuck your tails, not, you tuck uh, your tail between your legs, like and leave Seattle, Seattle, and all of a sudden, I'm supposed to respect you? Why would I respect something that he did or other pastors? I'm not saying respect Mark at all. Don't re- don't respect Mark, but I'm saying that doesn't mean that every pastor of every. Oh, I agree is with bad. you. Not I agree. Every pastor I mean, isn't on. bad. <laughs> every, but how many are bad then, Justin? Just tell me how many are well, bad. Yeah, what's yeah? We don't know what the over under is. One or two, twelve. <laughs> Fifty percent, twenty percent, eighty-seven percent. I mean, so there's a lot of bad preachers. That's for sure. And, and, and so that there's a lot of bad preachers. There's a lot of bad preachers, and then people that I thought I respected endorse books by Mark Driscoll. So that's the thing I don't understand. What you didn't it's just it's just Jack a game. Graham and uh, James McDonald. Come on, who cares about those guys? Well, I mean, why why are they doing it? That's that's nobody it, knows my pastor's name here. Why would I call myself a Christian and be associated with that? That's the thing that's really tough. You and, don't and, have and, to be associated with that, but to say that you're not going to be associated with anything, yeah, yeah, I think that okay. might be the right way. That's I mean, why? why I mean, <laughs> I mean, there, there's some good stuff in the Democratic Party. Would you be associated with it? There's nothing good for okay, one. Okay, well, so, so I, <laughs> but church is good. Okay, there we go. Church is good. Democratic Party Harvard. That's, no, that's my that's, point. Again, that's another one of those areas where it, the the thing fit. Like it's it's you can't really have this. The argument you guys are trying to have is the same type that you see on Twitter about politics, where it's a right, you're sure. not even really arguing the same points. Like sure, Justin's point being that oh, Toby's claiming that every pastor's a bad guy, yeah. which he's not, and what what Toby's claiming be. is. You <laughs> know, well, I'm just saying, saying it's no, more of a yeah. false uh, argument either way. Um, but the but Justin, I take you as very sincere, and for a PR guy on this interview, I know I'm talking to the real regular I person. I you, totally you clearly agree. don't have any. I mean, we have I don't think this opinion, is prepared or PR. Fine. I agree with that 100. Yeah, but this is I'm I'm really talking to I, a real person yeah. here with real information. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm talking it, to you more like a friend that I would talk to the same way I, as Matt. I so true, I, Toby, that is, I, that is I'm, true. I'm getting on you because I I no I understand that what I'm saying, but I don't have any ill will. No, I agree. I, I agree. I don't really really yeah. care <laughs> no no i agree i agree totally well well so, so the uh the other thing i want to to, to the other way i want to look at it here is um th- during the time that you were having to deal with all of, this is another way where it can really we can be blind to this is when you were dealing with all the scandal stuff and throckmorton and all the attack pieces and yeah. the new york times and all that stuff i bet you what you saw from them was genuinely terrible and awful and wrong and lies and deceitful also correct from from like the media that you had i'm just saying the media outlets i'm not saying throckmorton i'm not towards you said bad guy no no i like throckmorton i'm just saying in that yeah but i'm just saying in that time you were dealing with press spinning things that you like for instance you'd have to be quiet on issues because they would turn it and twist it and lie about right. it and make yeah. a headline you say like one we wrong see thing widespread and now but you must have been dealing with media outlets doing things that were like that 
um, in a way sure. where you say, yeah. where you still, of course, feel like you're the good guy because all you did was, you know, a bad publicity stunt, and here they are making up false headlines. I'm sure that played out to your side and your point of view, and really reinforced that you were doing good things, not bad things. But the bad things were outcomes for other individual people, you know, long, long lists of individual people who had relationships severed over time with appropriate distance from Mark. But meanwhile, you're up there saying, look, we're trying to get people saved for for Christ. And and you believe right. that and you're doing that. And these other outlets, Seattle Times, The Stranger, they're lying and twisting your words yep. and doing all kind of stuff. So Stranger, from your point of view, sure. that makes total sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, like The Stranger definitely was coming up with lies and twisting things but i mean that was to be expected but you know throck martin was dealing with what he had and and on his side he was uh he was following his conscience and just following the mm-hmm. information and I, I i like i don't discredit him at, at all um i think that there were definitely times where he was a little unfair i mean that you know he he kind of acted like a like a national reporter when he really, you know, he's just a guy with a, uh, a blog. Like he, you know, he, he would approach me and say, Hey, I'm, I'm publishing this in two hours. You need yeah. to give me this information. And it was like, bro, like things don't work like that here. I will, right. I will get back to you in mm-hmm. two days because we got to go through the process of Mark Griscoll to, to get you an answer. And then the answer is going to be, we don't have an answer for you. And so it was, you know, stuff like that was frustrating, but I don't, uh, I, I give Throckmorton the benefit of the doubt for sure. Um, I, I give all of them the benefit of the doubt because we weren't putting out the information. It, it got to a point mm-hmm. where like I was even banned. Um, the Christian post at one point, uh, like, you know, part of PR is building relationships with all these media outlets. Like you, you want to build relationships with these people so that you kind of earn trust with them. And so that you can, you can, you know, work on deadlines and you they can frame things that are closer to reality than it is, uh, otherwise they're going to frame it with a negative you know outline and stuff and so i had a really close relationship with the the christian post and they wanted to do a positive article on something and so i you know asked for permission to give them some quotes and uh and mark and and sutton and all them said no you can't you can't reply to this and it was about like one of our churches launching i think um the samamis church was launching and i was like man this is a positive story we need a positive story right now this is going to be positive i should be able to give them these quotes and my friend who was working there was like man this is ridiculous that you're not going to give me a quote at all and so i gave him the quote anyway and then i was banned they were like you're not allowed to talk to the press anymore and i was like well that's wow. my job like someone's got to talk to them and so for like a month we were just no, I wasn't even allowed to reply and say that I can't reply. I was supposed to just ignore them. And so like my friends that I had made in the press, I was not able to even reply to their emails. Uh, and so of course they're just going to go with these stories. And of course, at the bottom of every one of those stories said that we reached out to Justin Dean for comment and, and he didn't even reply. You know, yeah, that's, that's what, where your name was everywhere. Right. It was like yeah, Justin Dean. Like, right. well, yeah, exactly. Every article in a yeah. negative way. Right. And then people within our church are seeing that and going, Justin, you're not even replying to people anymore. And what am yeah. I supposed to say? Well, uh, Mark banned me from doing my right. job. Like, <laughs> that's where it got really, really hard is because right. I wasn't even allowed to tell our friends or the people in the church what was going on. Oh, and it, it really looked like we were just kind of putting our head in the sand because I guess we kind of were. And I, well, I, I can't tell you to get back to being able to reply to people. 
Uh, that sounds that sounds like a, a nightmare of a position to be in. And I can't tell you how really useful your candor and ability to come on this show and be yourself and talk and process as you go. And, you know, I, I, it's really going to be a benefit to people to hear bo- the whole thing that, you know, the way we think about it and the way yeah, you think about 100%. it. 100 percent. It. It's going to be super useful. And I'll point yeah. right, like you said, I'm in line with you, R- Warren Th- Throckmorton did a lot for me to process through all of that time. Even when I started reading his stuff, I thought he was a bad guy, a wolf or something. And then right. over time, I understood that he had an ethic and a value that became really useful to me. Um, and yeah. even to the point where, you know, you're endorsing him to some degree now. And Sutton <laughs> and Dave Baruskas have done that with him, which I highly recommend. Which is insane. Uh, like, that. I think six yeah, that's ago. insane. Yes. Yes. Totally. And so the, so the amount of people that will hear this, that know some of this story or whatever it is, I'm sure they'll – whatever. You know, Mark will probably hear it somehow or hear about it, and I, I get a kick out of that. Yeah, somebody will get told the talking points that, from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he will. Somebody told me once – I'm sure someone will give him big, a report. <laughs> there's somebody on a big church – all these church boards, and they said they were in a room with him or whatever sometime, and he was like – he, he, that person said that they knew us. He's like, oh, I hate those guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, oh, yeah, yeah podcast, no, about our podcast. That's for, that's for no, sure. for and sure. i got to be that's, honest, like – for a while i wasn't sure i was like who what are these guys doing <laughs> i don't like the whole you know marshall ended badly therefore church is bad like you i feel like I you guys push that. people away oh. from church and that's sad to me but i i like as much as i suck at empathy and compassion like i understand where you guys are at i just mm-hmm. think it's it's a little bit of a bummer so that's why well, i've always been kind of hesitant to promote you guys at the same time, I feel like I understand you a little more now, too. Yeah, no, it's, you know, I just, I, my personal reaction is to just say, well, how authentic can I be? If I don't know if pastors are good or not, I'll just say that and actually act that way instead of trying totally. to craft a message for other people. That they'll just, I'll just be as stupid as I can. I don't mean I'll be as stupid as we can be. Yeah. You know? that's, for, that's for sure. Um, and, and, uh, the full circle, though, that we can all talk and have this dialogue is amazing, and that yeah, Sutton I agree. and Throckmorton and all that, and here and 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 all the while, I mean, Mark has no relationships with anybody ever, at all that well, he yeah. used to, and that you know, right. I mean, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm generalizing there, but right. you know, although it's it's, it's I don't really know, but yeah. it's, I only know of something in the neighborhood three digit numbers of people that all that every all communication is cut from so i don't know what else other conclusions to draw said for that i guess you know that's that's definitely good insight and there's people you know we've all processed this in different ways and you know kind of coming back together and when i see the national level of what's going on i'm just wondering is this something that we can get through is this something that can pass is this something we can circle back to and have better dialogue five years from now in our right. national discourse how much of this pattern is the same how much of it's critical I don't know but I you know I have bad yeah. feelings about the the national discourse because it's I feel like I've seen this cycle before well I think like to follow your train of thought I think in and to keep it within churches even like I see like you, you said, Marshall and, and Mark were, you know, ten years ahead of, of everyone else, and I think that that's true because we're we're nearing ten years now from when it all ended. I mean, it's been what six, that's seven. Cra- that's wild. And You're right. I'm seeing other churches, even big churches, now doing the things that we were doing. Like no one has a mm-hmm. blog like Resurgence, like right. not even close. No one has the uh, the weekly uh, live stream views that we had. It's not even close. And, but they're catching up to that, and I'm seeing them do a lot of the same mistakes and things that we did. I'm seeing a lot of these uh, 
you know, celebrity pastors uh, going along this the same path. We've definitely seen some like sexual scandals and things like that pop up, and and uh, and mm-hmm. that's a bummer. I'm I'm so glad we never had to deal with anything like that, at least at the the high levels. And uh, and I don't know. It, it, I I feel like no one's learning the lessons that we went through, and maybe because it's taken us this long to even unpack some of this stuff. Well, good luck to you out there. I know you still do work in this field and stuff like that, and you you have a tremendous amount of experience and knowledge. And as the more you process, you you're going to grow as a person and in wisdom and everything else. So you are the type of person that should and can help churches. That's still who I mean. I, I imagine that's still that. the way you think of yourself. You know, honestly, I don't do um, I don't do PR and stuff for churches in a, in a paid way. Um, like I, I run a conference here in Atlanta and, and we help churches with digital media and social media and stuff. And, and we do training, but I don't, uh, like I don't come on board at any churches as a PR consultant in a paid way at all. I do take, people do reach out to me and call me just cause there's not a lot of people in that space sure. and I do help them, but it's all, it's all for free. Uh, I mean, I wrote, I wrote a, a book on uh, on some of it and uh you know i i like helping churches in this way but i am very careful to be like i'm definitely not an expert at this stuff i definitely don't want to build a platform of being the pr guy for churches because i just want to help them in whatever way i can and provide whatever insight i've learned from marcel and, and stuff like that but um mm-hmm. but that's not that's not what i'm trying to build yeah, well, you have a good mind for it and a skill and a natural inclination toward communication and impulses. And the more, you know, I, I think that's a, a good thing to be able to use, especially if you're able to process and learn and grow. That that really does have the potential to help other people avoid mistakes that, that you've made. So I really hope that that'll be. And then churches avoid the mistakes that Mars Hill made. And then ho- hopefully yeah. the wider public to avoid all those types of mistakes when it comes to power and leadership and you know, all, all those kinds of things. Sure. It's, it's a mess. It, so, but yeah. thank you, Justin. Yeah, I you, have to, uh, it, you said you have your church conference. Uh, it's called the church conference. It's called uh, that church conference. Yeah. That, that church conference at cc.com. And, uh, hopefully people don't go, um, hate, hating on it because of that. But I mean, honestly, I don't have anything to promote, but that's, that's what I do these days. Well, great. Well, thank you just for coming on to catch up and, and close a few loops for, for us and for me. So well, we really appreciate it. Yeah, we really time. do. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thank you both. I, I really hope it was helpful in, in some little way, at least. For sure. Okay, so I hear some aggro music fading up after Toby and Justin got aggro in the interview. That no. was my favorite. That was so cool. That was so cool. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but you guys are listening to The Path. This is a new song from Fit for a King's new album called The Path, of course. The Path just released last week. We've been talking about them leading up to it. Played a different song last week. This album is available everywhere you buy or stream music. For most of you, that's Spotify. Just go there right now. Follow Fit for a King. They've got a ton of good stuff, and this is their new thing. Go spend some time with it because they've generated quite the buzz for it, and that's not for no reason. There's tons of vinyl and other merch available. That's at fitforakingband.com. They do a great job with that, so make sure to grab it while it lasts. Be sure to follow their account on Spotify, like I said, and so you get all the news from them. Spotify's doing a good job of alerting people about news and shows and maybe even streaming. I I saw that they're going to start pointing out at streams from Spotify, so I think that's great. Again, The Path is available everywhere, so go dig it. Hope you like it. Don't you die, don't you die, don't you die. 
Toby, yeah. did you enjoy that interview? Was that fun for you? Well, Get some I don't adrenaline. know if it was fun. I, well, I just, I, there was a couple things he was saying I just couldn't agree with. So, I, I, I mean, so I get it. it he, I mean, he has his perspective of how things went down, and he was on the inside. So I, I understand that. But me having worked there, me having talked to people, done interviews, talked to so many people about their experiences and stuff, it it is hurtful. I mean, it is, it is tough, and it mm-hmm. it has changed me. Like I left Mars Hill and was like, ah, I don't know if I should work in a mega church. And then I gave Seacoast. I was like, well, I got the job at Seacoast. I was like, well, may, you know what? Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe I should do something. And mm-hmm. when I got the job at Seacoast, about a year later is when Mars Hill completely imploded. And then I was like, okay, what am I doing here? And it just changed me. And what I think about going to church and the church system, uh, and I eventually left working at a church uh, on my own accord, no ill will there uh, at Seacoast. But I just I don't even attend church now because of all the bad stuff I've seen, all the shit I've seen. Really heard about. I thought everything. it was interesting to brush up against. First of all, I thought you and I thought the tone of it was totally fine and not obnoxious. That was a good, uh, a really normal argument to ha- to have and i thought it was cool that sure. justin would have it and that you would too but i enjoyed yeah i'm glad he came argument. on but um the i think that's an interesting point especially when you come from the point of view that he does because justin shares a point of view with oh you just can't imagine how many people that hear what we do as trying to prevent people from experiencing the love of christ yeah <laughs> you know yeah. and so i understand that some people could think this bad christian podcast is that thing that tries to hurt church or something you yeah. know what i mean like i can see i know how people think that way about us that's fair i, enough. I understand that but how could you not say mars hill hurts, hurts <laughs> church i know how can you not say the system's hurting church i mean that, what, what are we talking about here that's what i'm saying i, I don't understand when you, people saying well you got to love the church or you got to no it's always people on the inside that want to keep the church system going i mean the, yeah. the people that are attending church just like the community of it, and they want to be a part of something, but the, the, all the stuff behind the scenes, it's it's a little scary. It just is, and, it, and it's it's being proven but then, more but then and you more. Just people go, but not all. Not I mean that's so he's I like, know. yeah, but that's not what we're Get talking. Out of here. We're not, you know, of course you can retreat to a. It's not wrong to be a billionaire argument. Of course you yeah. can retreat to that, but 
we're just, you know, and then it pushes your point of view to an extreme, which I don't believe your point of view is nobody should ever go to church and church is bad and all everybody's bad. That I don't find that to be your point of view, but it's e- it's easy to see how it lands there. So you know, I can see how some people must have that. Um, but I thought it was fun to engage it. Is all. I mean, do you know how many people I, I do my honest night phone calls and with with dudes, and you know how many people that I talk to that work at churches and just feel like they're over it and want to get out and don't know how to do it and don't know what to say, don't know what to do. And I'm telling you, lots of people, all you people that work at church right now. Next time you walk in the office, look to your left and the right. A lot of those people don't want to be there. They don't believe what the mission in the mission. They don't know the the leadership. They're questioning. They're all that kind of stuff. And you can't you can't do anything about it. And then I'm told that yeah, well, you just got to love it. You just got to love it. What? Who else would you tell to, something that is potentially very abusive that exploded in Seattle? And that's just one church. I mean, we have. I mean, we had. We've done a million episodes about right. bad churches. But it's not, it doesn't happen. But then people want to point to the harm or abuse or something like that. But I'm just saying, from our point of view, <clears throat> the only thing that matters that we can speak to is authenticity. Yeah. To be honest, I don't think there's anything right. else that I could possibly, I mean, uh, music theory, mu- it, sound engineering, right. guitar playing, and authenticity. That's the only things I know anything about, but, uh, or that I, care about in a fundamental way. Yeah. But the, it's a, it's like an epidemic disease in, cultures and it's not just churches where authenticity is lacking it's like a mineral deficiency it's a it's right. a deficiency and it's so bad that you don't know whether or not the people right next to you believe in this or not because they can't say anything because people right. don't trust really each other and you go not my church whatever but i promise you the trust is not as high as it you would like it to believe and you right. don't know what other people you know people are not opening up that's all we experience is people that say i can't tell this to my friends i can't tell this to my church can't tell this to my youth pastor can't tell this to my that's all anybody feels like yeah. and so you have an authenticity problem that's all and it has effects sometimes that are really harmful and crazy and stuff but either way i just think of it as a a, defi- a a supreme deficiency yeah you know i mean i why well, this is what i've learned why am I, and why have I been, is it gullible? Why, why have I been so open to somebody going, hey, listen, God called me to tell you what God wants to say. I've, I've been very open and given that yeah. those people More than a benefit humongous of the doubt, right? benefit of the doubt. Right. And right. why? Because I'm supposed right. to, because God told me or they did. Who, did, who told me that? that it, it's, That's just been it's, abused so much. The so, benefit yes. of the doubt culture but, and, yeah. and a culture of authenticity right. often don't go together, to be honest. I mean, yeah. Like no. there's got to be some way to reconcile those, but if everything's benefit of the doubt, why do you have to use the benefit of the doubt instead of actually fucking find out? Is right. what you know, sure. like also or just talk about it, and you don't have to have benefit of the doubt. You just find out right. if everybody could speak freely. But you know, anyway, well, I'm, I, I am glad Justin came on, and I do believe he believes everything he's saying, and we we have disagreements, but he was open and put it all out there as best we could i think so i appreciated it very yeah. much i thought it was great i'd love to have him back and talk about other stuff so um good episode uh we would love anybody who feels that they belong in our community or like you know that feeling of not being able to be authentic um and you're an environment of group think that is uh if that if you're starting to be kind of aware of of your uh involvement in any culture of group think we feel that the BC Club is the place where you probably – that's a collection of people who've kind of been through a similar experience. I'll put it that way. Some of it's church. Some of it's not. It doesn't matter. But overcoming groupthink seems to be the thing over time has emerged as 
uh, kind of fundamental in, in our community. And so if uh, if you're interested in supporting this podcast or get stuff out of it, that's one thing we love for people to do is to go to thebcclub.com, sign up for that. Toby and I uh, benefit greatly and are supported entirely, uh, almost entirely by podcasts and our band supporters and people that like what they get from it. So it means a lot to us. And also – uh, the community seems to be quite helpful for other people because there's something that you will share with the like-minded people there, although you'll be from different cultures and thinking styles and all kind of different things. A lot of people have that one thing in common. So we would love to have you over in our group. That's thebcclub.com. I believe we got on Patreon too. Um, and we'll see you in there. You know what uh, your grandparents say when you talk bad about a pastor? What? If the church wants a better pastor, it only needs to pray for the one it has. that's grandma jokes there
driving, so take the 